Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. We're going to Exodus chapter 20, and today we are going to look at the third of the Ten Commandments. We saw the first two, thou shalt have no other gods before me, you shall not make a graven idol, an idol, or even image. But today we come to something that has to do with how we talk about God. Remember, we saw that the Ten Commandments, as is true of all of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, all have one of two things they are trying to accomplish in us. They're trying to teach us to love. And we saw it was two areas that we're focusing on. We're supposed to love what, first of all? God with all our heart, mind, and our strength. We're supposed to love God, first of all. And secondly, we are to love our neighbor as ourself. We're supposed to learn to love people. And so the, Jesus says it, St. Paul says it in the clearest of terms. I'm not making this up. This isn't my cute idea. This is absolutely from the Lord's mouth. No, no question about it. He says all the law and the prophets basically are trying to teach you two things. To love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. To love your neighbor as yourself. So these are lessons on loving. On how to love God. On how to love people. The first four of the Ten Commandments you will notice, have to do with how to love God. The last six of the Ten Commandments have to do with how to love people. And we are now on number three of the first four. Father, we ask for the word of God to come alive. Holy Spirit, for revelation, you are the one who shows us these things in the heart so that we live and are changed by them. I pray for grace that I might speak so we can hear you and not me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'm going to just read the one verse, verse 7. All right, here we go. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Let's do it again. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Our mouths expose our hearts. Sooner or later, our real beliefs and attitudes pour out of our lips. As hard as we may try to hide them, it's impossible to filter everything. And in those moments when we drop our guard, our hearts speak what we really believe. That's true, isn't it? I'm going to just stop for a minute. That's true. It happens in personal relationships. You know, it's those moments when you're so tired that you finally say what you really think. Or you're so angry or so fearful that it comes blurting out of you. And the other person goes, oh, I knew you thought that. And and then when you finally get a hold, oh, no, 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 I was just, I was tired. I was angry. I was, the bottom line was, though, the heart finally kind of said all of the things, the unvarnished, unpolitically correct things that were in there. You can, you can patrol your mind for a while, but there have come weak moments when what's really in there blurts out. And the Lord knows that. 
That's what he's really looking at. Is he's looking when we, uh, not so much at what we say as the heart that said it. That's why in these lessons on how to love God, the first four of the Ten Commandments, he draws our attention to how we use his name. His purpose isn't simply to get us to patrol our speech more carefully. His concern lies much deeper than that. He wants us to love and respect him and knows that if we do, our mouths will speak accordingly. Jesus said, and why don't you read that statement with me, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. And again, on another occasion, he said, and read with me, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. So an honest evaluation of how we use God's name will tell us a lot about our spiritual health. Today, we'll listen to the warning God gives about using his name in vain, but we'll also look at the positive side of using his name. After all, as Christians, we are deeply associated with that name. We believe in his name. We pray in his name. We gather in his name. We serve in his name. And we have been baptized in his name. Amazingly, we have been given the privilege to use the name which is above every name. Once more, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. The phrase in vain means empty or worthless. God says, I don't want you taking or using my name in an empty, worthless ill-considered way. When you speak my name, I want it to come with the consideration, the respect, what should be there, the love that's in your heart. Don't use my name in a cheap way. Don't use it in a way that reveals a wrong heart, because that's really the question, isn't it? That reveals a wrong heart toward God, a lack of respect, a lack of love, a lack of faith, a lack of desire to glorify him. When we lose our awe of God, it will show up in our speech. Our references to him will degrade in character. We begin to use a lot of jokes, for example. You know, some of the jokes are, 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 are at face value harmless. And yet, when you laugh about someone you tend to ridic and ridicule them, you tend to degrade them. That's what humorists are doing. That's why, what the political people are trying to do to each other. If you can get somebody to degrade somebody through laughter, you lower them in everybody's esteem. They become a thing of mockery. And so these jokes about, you know, Jesus parting the water to get his golf ball or, or whatever, you know, I don't know, uh, walking, I guess, across the water, they, they go on and on. It's, they're cute, but they're really, you know, it'd be better to joke about something else. It'd just be better to leave him out of it. He's not a joke. The things of empty vows, people go, I swear to God I did it. I swear, no, I swear to God, swear to God. It just comes out in a cheap role. You're not swearing to God anything. You're just a kind of a, a phrase you use to sort of heighten something. We, we make these vows that we don't intend to keep. These promises that aren't really done in the fear of the Lord. Wedding vows are, are the most, probably the most solemn ones we make. We stand in front of God and, and others and promise to one another deep things. It ought to instill a great soberness. 
I have vowed to God. I have vowed to God that I would do this. It's a, it's a sober thing. Thoughtless cursing. Uh, people say God this and God that. We even boil it down to a sort of a milder form, gosh. Gosh darn it. Um, but we know what we mean. We just figured, tee hee hee, we slipped under the, under the radar screen by, by not saying it all. You know, you watch these television shows where they win houses and stuff. What's the phrase that just blurts out? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And they don't mean, oh my God, do they? Because then they'd say, thank you, God, or bless you, Jesus. Occasionally you hear something like that. But that's a very different character than, oh my God. Isn't it funny how much people who don't, ostensibly don't follow God use his name? Tons. Because it's actually very comforting to de- in their minds to degrade him. They have him on a leash. They have him where he belongs. It's, it's not a healthy thing. You know, the Lord caught me on a thing. A while back, I was going through this earlier on with a daily Bible study, and I I caught that phrase that somehow I hadn't remembered, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished, who takes his name in vain. And uh, I had this thing, I kind of worked it through, where when I was was angry at something, I didn't want to damn it, so I blessed it. And I said, God, bless it. (laughs) You know? Now, can, can you tell I'm not sincere? It would be one thing if I said, God bless it. But when I say, God bless it, I have just taken and used the name of the Lord in an empty, worthless way. Haven't I? And he, he, what he said to me is he said, just simply leave me out of it. Leave my name out of this thing. I had a young, young boy come to me while back and he felt he'd lost his salvation and I said well why, why have you done that and he, and he said uh, well I, I, I have a terrible mouth I've been saying awful stuff I said well tell me some of the stuff you say and um, and, he, and he started going through this list and, and they were various body parts and, and the products of digestion and uh, uh, stuff like that and I said to him I said you know all of those things are vulgar and coarse and certainly not worthy of you to, to have come out of your mouth because as a Christian, God wants our mouth to be holy and pure. And, but I said, you know, that's not that big a deal to God. It's just crude. I said, the stuff that bothers him is the stuff that brings his name into it. Let me make a distinction between vulgarity and profanity. Vulgarity is things that are offensive to good taste, that are low and coarse. Profanity is to defile something that's sacred. You profane the sacred. You bring the sacred, the holy, the pure, and you bring it down to a coarse, vulgar level. That is a totally different thing. That is a blasphemous thing. That is touching the Lord and bringing him into something. If we're frustrated... And you blurt out something about byproducts of digestion. That's one thing. I'm serious. It's not, it's not, I'm not recommending it. You understand me? 
I'm not recommending it, but it doesn't bring the judgment of God in the same way. It's sort of, it's kind of like yuck. But it's not profanity. To profane the things of God, when people use holy this and holy that, it's just, it really gives a shudder to you. I was um, in high school and driving in a carload of young people down to a, to a uh, service in a plywood tabernacle out in the woods in northern Minnesota. And it was kind of a revival going. We just had, we had carloads of young people and we'd, we'd all sail on down to this plywood tabernacle. It was so Pentecostal and, and we had a great time. And on the way, I was talking with a, a, a young girl who, by the way, is, was a fine young woman. And I, I'm going to put her in a bad light by the comment she made, but I'm, I'm, she was a fine young woman. Her father actually baptized me in, in an in a almost frozen northern Minnesota lake. <laughs> uh, um, but as we were driving down, we were talking about something, and she jokingly said, she says, oh, I feel the anointing. I get a witness to that. And she, she didn't mean anything harmful. But I was still so tender coming out of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and had had so many years of, of the intense presence of God. My early years, boy, when he came over me, he just shook me to my root. But when she started joking about... The, the Spirit of God. I just, there was, it was not a uh, prudery that said, oh, don't talk like that. It was a shock inside. I, I, I went, oh, don't, don't talk about it like that. I was just amazed that anyone would speak of the holy like that. Now years pass and I would probably think nothing of it particularly. Isn't that sad? We get hardened in our hearts. Our mouths reveal the things of our heart more than we know. You know, the, here in the United States, we are deluged. Many, many people just uh, see one movie after another, and you can hardly find a movie in which the Lord's name is not used blasphemously. By the way, it's no accident. The people that make those movies hate Jesus Christ. They delight to put his name in that way and they choose to do it hoping to degrade him in the public's eye. It's not, it's not done accidentally. It's written in for our consumption. And so those, they, you constantly hear it, you constantly hear it. And at first it may have bothered you, you know, it's like, ooh. But after a while you grow numb to it and you can listen to one thing after another, just a stream of things. And say it was a great movie. Yeah, a little language. A little language. But it was a great movie. Whereas early on, it would go into your heart like a knife. But now it doesn't anymore. People, we're not growing sophisticated. We're growing callous. We're growing numb to the, to the blasphemous culture we live in. When Isaiah the prophet saw the Lord in the in his vision, you remember that? He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train of his robe filled the temple. In other words, this great Shekinah glory came down right into the temple. He said, I saw that. 
And then what was his personal response to this, what he saw of God? Do you remember? He said, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips. Now, I doubt that the prophet ran around talking about byproducts of digestion and things. I imagine in that environment, he realized, oh, how casually and carelessly I've taken the Lord's name in my life. He says, woe, of me, woe is me. And then the Lord had the seraphim, the burning ones. They would have been the cherubim. And they took a, a, a hot coal from that altar in the holy of holies in heaven and touched his lips with it. They cleansed him. And then the Lord said, now I need somebody to go as my prophet. And he said, here am I, send me. He'd been cleansed. It was focused right on his lips, right on what he spoke. I believe that as Christians, we're covered with the blood of Jesus and we're forgiven. But you know, I can trouble my life. I can bring trouble into my life even though I'm forgiven. I know people, for example, just people that injure themselves on purpose. But they're forgiven. But they still have great scars and wounds that have to be sewed up. Do you understand? Forgiveness doesn't make everything go away. I can trouble my life and be forgiven. Or I can have my life blessed. There's choices we make about how we live. And the Lord says here, I will not allow him to go unpunished who takes my name in vain. And so I wonder how much trouble we import into our lives. We are, don't even understand by, this, by the careless, casual, disrespectful way that we speak of the Lord. We're forgiven, but there's still troubling that comes. There's still troubling that comes. Forgiveness doesn't make it all go away. It means we go to heaven. Now, let's look at the positive side. Using God's name in vain is one thing, but we are invited to use God's name in power. Hallelujah. His name, that reference to his name means him. The name equals the person. And so when we speak of doing something in his name, praying in his name, being baptized in his name, we're, we're talking about a person we depend on, the person we serve, the person we respect. And our model for this is Jesus Christ. I want to show you something uh, remarkable. Jesus tells us that he did everything he did in the Father's name. Ah, so all of his prayers for the sick, his casting out of devils, his miracles, his preaching, were done in the name of the Father. So he then tells us in, in John chapter 20, he says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. All right, now you and I go forth in the name of Jesus as he went forth in the name of his Father. Get it? So if I want to know what it means to function in Jesus' name, I only have to watch Jesus to see. I say that because a lot of people assume that they can take a promise that says, ask me what you will and I'll give it when you do it in my name. And they think, okay, cool. And they ask some self-generated, greedy little desire. And then they tack on the end of it this phrase, in Jesus' name. 
And it's kind of like, <laughs> I gotcha. You got to give it to me. Because I said the magic phrase. Praying in Jesus' name is not tacking in Jesus' name at the end of whatever you want. Praying in Jesus' name is praying like Jesus would have prayed. With the same attitudes, the same motivations, the same purpose, the same faith, acting like Jesus acted. St. Paul in Colossians 3.17 says this, he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that marvelous? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let me show you some of these examples of how the Lord functioned. John chapter 5. Verse 36. Just listen for this heart of Jesus. He says, but the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. That would be John the Baptist. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do, testify about me that the Father has sent me. So the things he did, where did they come from? In another place he'll say, I only do what I see the Father do. So for him to minister in the Father's name was to follow the Father's lead. Do you see that? He did what the Holy Spirit led him to do. It's very important that you make a distinction. Jesus did not do his miracles in the power, his own personal power. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God and he is man. And he could have spoken to those stones out in the wilderness when he was being tempted. And commanded them to turn to bread. And indeed they would have, but it had been a terrible sin. He divested himself of the privileges of his divinity when he became a man. And he became one of us. And he functioned only as a spirit anointed man. We see in Jesus Christ the potential that you and I have as spirit-filled men and women. Isn't that shocking? That's the standard. He did not function in his miracle power as the Son of God. He functioned as the Son of Man, anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see the capacity that God would give us. Now, he's unique. He's the only one who could die for us. That's another subject. But we see him set aside those powers. So all that he did, he did depending on the Holy Spirit. He said, the works that I do are the works the Father has given me to do. In another place, he'll say, the words that I speak are only that which I've heard the Father speak. I say what I hear the Holy Spirit lead me to say. He was completely dependent, completely submitted Completely yielded to the leadership of God in all that he did. For him to minister in the name of the Father was in that submitted heart. A desire to glorify the Father. Let's, let's turn to chapter 10 while you're in John. Let me show you another. Verse 25. Here he says, I told you 
and you did not believe the works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. In whose name? In my Father's name, correct. Then to chapter 14, one more reference. Chapter 14, verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? By the way, that's just the way you and I are to be in him. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. See that? Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. And then I'm going down to verse 13 there. Whatever, why don't you read it out loud with me? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. As Jesus ministered in the name of the Father, submitted, dependent, desiring God's glory, full of God's love, full of faith in God, as he functioned in the name of the Father, you and I now are instructed and sent forth to minister, speak, pray, cast out devils, do all in the name of Jesus Christ. So what it means is not that I simply do my little thing and then kind of say in the name of Jesus. It means I function like Jesus functioned. Remember in the book of Acts there was there was a fellow who had watched the apostles casting out demons and he said, I thought I'm going to do this too. And he got some demon-possessed fellow and he says, uh, I cast by the, in the name of the God uh, who, of Jesus and of, of Paul, I, I cast you out. And the demons simply answered back and they said, we know Jesus, we know Paul. Who are you, Wimpo? And they beat him to a pulp. Hallelujah. <laughs> stop that what was the issue he, he was using the right name but he wasn't praying in the name because he wasn't in here this wasn't a disciple now let me tell you something when you and I have that heart when we love the name of Jesus, when we are dependent upon him, serving him, wanting him glorified it's not about us, it's not some ego trip, it's all about him and we're following his lead and depending on the spirit and full of faith in our God. You, you start praying. And the Lord Jesus says right here, he says, you ask me anything and I'll give it to you. you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You loose on earth will be loose in heaven. It's enormous authority. Enormous power. See, the sad thing is, some people have tried this other approach, say their little deal, whatever it is, live a life wildly, and then want to tack on in Jesus' name, and they think, there, I did it. And then it doesn't work, does it? This is the sad part. People think, oh, well, I tried that God thing and it didn't work. No, you didn't try it at all. You tried a, a caricature of it. You tried it a shallow, ridiculous, hollow approach. And of course it didn't work. I want to tell you something. The real thing works. Amen. Awesomely. Awesomely, it works. 
But we got to adjust our heart. Don't you say you tried God and he didn't work. No, no. You didn't work. You didn't work. You didn't have it at all. You have the heart in you as Jesus followed his father and loved his father and glorified his father. You and I follow and love him and exalt him and serve him. You have enormous authority. Men as well as women. Women, you have the same authority. Do you understand? Every so often I get this phrase, well, we need to get a man in here to pray. Get over it. I'm serious. You need to get over it. Young as well as old. Children with this heart have the authority. You can be the frailest little old grandma. And you can have authority that shakes heaven and earth. When you pray and minister and speak in Jesus' name. I remember years ago, I was, I don't remember how, I received the Lord when I was 12, so it had to be somewhere after that, but I don't think it was very long after that, and I didn't know much of anything. But I did love the Lord, and he had, he'd baptized me powerfully in the Holy Spirit. And one day my mother was quite ill uh, with a migraine headache, and she was just in agony, and nothing had worked that she'd taking her, you know, the pills and whatever. Nothing, nothing was helping. And she says, Stephen, come in here and pray for me. And I marched in and I didn't know up. But I remember this sense of authority coming over me. And I don't even know why I said this. But I looked at her and I said, Satan, in the name of my God and your God, and I meant to just go, because ah! I knew who created him. I said, in the name of my God and your God, get out of here. And she just went Poof! on the bed and was healed on the spot. Now, I'm a kid. I'm a punk. <laughs> Do you get the picture? The authority comes from the heart. To the man, to the woman, to the child, to the elderly. Doesn't matter. What matters is that we do it in Jesus' name. As Jesus came in the name of the Father, we come in his name. And now all these promises lock in. They're locked and loaded and they work amazingly. Almost becomes frightening what you will ask for. You almost have to be careful because you'll get it. That name is above every name, we're told. The name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. People, we must never grow calloused in here toward that name. Our speech will give us away. Our speech will tell us. You and I are to be believers. We believe in his name. That means we believe that he's the son of God and that he died for us on the cross. We believe that he washed our sins away. We believe that. And we are indeed born again because of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Not tacking a phrase on. We pray in that faith and submission and absolute following of the Holy Spirit. 
We have great authority. We gather in his name. He says, if two or three gather in my name, there am I in the midst. Is he here? The living, resurrected Lord is here by the Spirit right now. He's here with us, ministering to us, loving our worship, knowing each of us to our very thoughts in our heart. We minister in his name. We, we pray for the sick in his name. We deliver people from spiritual oppression, demonic assault in his name. We prophesy in his name. By the way, it's very possible to prophesy falsely, isn't it? And to use his name in vain, saying, Thus saith the Lord when the Lord hasn't spoken at all. That would be another use of his name in vain. But when we speak at the leading of the Holy Spirit, that's not in vain. We prophesy powerfully in his name. We preach in his name. We're baptized in his name, meaning we give ourselves to him. We publicly stand beside him unashamed. What a precious name. Say the name with me. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. That's a precious name. There's no other name like it. It's a holy name. It's the name of your Savior and mine. It's the name you'll call out at the moment you die. Aren't you going to say, here I come, Jesus? And there he'll be. You'll close your eyes and you'll open them and there will be your Lord waiting for you. Over the next few weeks, given what I've said today, you will probably find yourself using the Lord's name one way or another in ways that are casual. All of us are doing this. I'm not saying this to bring a guilt trip Though I wouldn't mind a little guilt. If it's deserved. Guilt's better than shame. Shame means you're a bad person. Guilt means you did a bad thing. You see the difference? We are a guilt culture as Christians. We believe we can do bad things. But they're repented of and forgiven. And we doesn't make us a bad person. We're still the child of God. So if we deserve a little guilt. So be it. But all that should be coming from this. Is that the Lord simply checks our speech. And lets us look a little more deeply at our heart and say, wow, I've grown a little too casual. I'm allowing some phrases to come out of my lips that just don't belong in my mouth. My mouth is holy. I love Jesus and I'm not going to let anything come out. And when you hear the other thing, make sure it grieves you. Let it grieve you. Don't grow callous. Don't say, I, I just got to get sophisticated and used to this. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's not being a prude. If you made remarks about my mother or my wife, it would hurt me. You make remarks about my precious Lord, it hurts me. And I hope it never stops. One final example and I'll close. Years ago, I was traveling around the world with a group of students. And we were in... Kyoto, Japan, and we were staying in a, in, a, in a Buddhist monastery there and having a wonderful time in that city. And my roommate, one of my roommates, I had two in that place, um, had been raised in the, in the church, sort of. And we were heading out the door, at least I was, and for some reason, he used the Lord's name in vain, very aggressively. And I stood and I thought, do I let this go? Do I say something? It, it just, because it, it went in my heart 
like a knife. It hurt me. It wasn't a matter of prudery. It was like, why'd you have to do that? Why'd you have to bring him into this thing? And I turned and I looked at him and I said this. I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of his. And then I just turned and went out the door. What I didn't know is it just convicted him miserably, praise God. I, I wasn't trying. I just had to say something to defend my Lord. I just, I just couldn't hear that and let it go. He was so grieved, I guess he was just in agony. Because that was the beginning of him coming to Christ. It was a matter of probably half a year later, I led him to the Lord. I watched him born again over my, my kitchen table. It showed him his heart is what happened. He would have thought of him. If you asked him, are you a Christian? Sure. And then the Lord just shined a light on his heart and said, so you're a Christian, are you? And then he, he realized the shallowness, the emptiness. No, nobody who loved Jesus would have done that. And it brought him to repentance. Hallelujah. And he became profoundly born again. In fact, I've never seen anybody physically changed in front of my eyes. He was. When he received Christ, he physically was transformed in front of my eyes. I watched a man born again. It was a stunning moment. I'll never forget it. One more time, let's say his precious name. Jesus. Lord, we love you today. We love your name. We honor your name. Wherever we take it for granted or in vain, not only forgive us, Lord, we would also have you prompt us and help us free. Some of us may be trapped in patterns of, of real profanity. And we ask you to just deliver us from that assaulting temptation. And give us strength now. That our mouth would reflect a heart that loves you. We do not wish to degrade you, profane you, to shame you. But to speak only with all the love in our heart. We would say, Lord, would you equip us with that name? May we boldly and joyfully minister, speak, pray, deliver, do all that we do in word and deed in that precious name. Thank you, Lord. You're lifting this people. You're lifting us all to a higher level of authority, a higher level of, of spirit effectiveness to be able to minister and care for others, to make a difference in this generation. You're lifting any kind of judgment off of our homes and families. You're bringing greater blessing into our lives. We thank you for the word of God. It's a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. We bless you for leading us with the word of God. I just feel led to pray a, a simple prayer of confessing Jesus again. I'm going to ask you to join me if you would and then I'll close. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your beautiful Son. I believe in Jesus. Jesus Christ, I believe you came to earth to die on the cross. To pay for the sins of the world. 
I believe you died for my sin. I confess that today. Because of you. Because you took the punishment due me. Because I put my faith in your name. I am now forgiven. Completely washed free of my sin. Not only the sins I've done in the past. But the sins I will do. You're amazing, Lord. But I receive your grace. Jesus Christ. I follow you. I choose to obey you. I submit my life to you. I no longer belong to myself. But I'm your servant. Your child. And I'm grateful to be so. Take my hand. Lead me. Guide me. Use my life for your glory. Fill me now with the Holy Spirit. I depend entirely on your power. I can do nothing in myself, but with your power, I can do all things. So, I will serve God fruitfully, powerfully, the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.